29 through 32. I'm, I do intend to just talk for a little bit. I don't intend to be very lengthy tonight, but I do feel like I have somewhat to say in this house. First Kings chapter number 16, beginning at verse 29, the word of the Lord says, And in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, began Ahab, the son of Omri, to reign over Israel and uh, in Samaria 20 and 2 years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord. Notice this above all that were before him. And it came to pass as if it had been a light and it came to pass as if it had been a light thing to him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. And he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ithbal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. Notice this. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. So tonight we're going to talk about we have a king that does some things that causes God to be more angry than anybody that was before him. Would you help me ask the Lord to touch us? God, I'm asking that you would anoint my lips of clay, that you would bless us, that we would receive what you have. I'm asking God that you would touch us, be with us, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Ahab will begin to reign over Israel, and the word of the Lord declares, as I've already stated, that he did more to provoke God than anyone before him. He sets up a temple to an idol called Baal, and he builds a grove. He builds a temple for Baal. Now, when you read the Old Testament, that word Baal comes up a lot. The idol of Baal. They worship Baal. They went after Baal. And God hated Baal. Now, I get that he's an idol. But who is he? What was he? And how did they worship him? These are some questions that I've had because, Brother Scott, as I begin to read these different kings who went after Baal, for instance, Ahab name, Ahab's name refers to the son of the father. There are other names that will, that will speak toward Jehovah, as in God would be my strength or God would be my refuge, yet that king is labeled as an evil king. Well, if you're serving Baal and you're an idol worshiper, why in the world would you name your kid after Yahweh? That's often puzzled me. Why, would you, why are you going to do that? Yet you worship an idol called Baal? You know, I mean, why don't you call your kid Baal something or another, you know? Baal's above or something. I mean, you know, I mean, makes sense. You're serving him. Why so, I've been curious about Baal, and tonight that's what I want to talk to us about. I want to speak from the subject or teach from the subject of Baal. Throughout the Old Testament, it is said that God hated Baal. He hated the worship of Baal. He hated everything that had to do 
with Baal. And we read tonight of a man who did more to provoke the anger of the Lord than anybody else. So I figured, oh, Ahab was a good place to start. So if you're, if you're, if you're the, the poster child for the God of Baal, I figured, you know, you're a good place to start. I mean, you don't go shop, you don't go buy groceries at the gas station, you go to the grocery store. I mean, you can, go, you can go get a gallon of milk at the gas station. You can go get a candy bar, but you don't go buy a ribeye at the gas station. You go to the meat market or the meat department of the grocery store where they got the, the good ribeyes, you know. So I figured if we're going to delve into this, we might as well go where there it ain't ribeye, but we might as well go where there's plenty of information. Baal, the, the, the name Baal means simply this, owner or Lord. He is said to have been the universal God of fertility and rain. I found in my study that he is symbolized by the image of a bull, a ram, or a thunderbolt. He was the principal God of the Canaanites. He also is said to have been the God of increase and harvest. When we begin to look into the worship of Baal, here is where it begins to really get weird. The, the, the worship of Baal involved child sacrifice. They would literally take their babies to an idol that was built in the shape of a bull or a ram. They would build a fire underneath the hands of that idol, and they would literally place their children in, the, in those hot hands and watch their children burn to death as a sign of worship to this God. All the while, while this was going on, it is said that Baal worship involved many, many sexual acts that were literally taking place while they were making their sacrifices and they were offering. They were sexual acts that involved men and women and homosexuality and bisexual acts. All of those things tied in with Baal and Baal worship. So when God began to declare that Ahab did more to provoke him than anyone else, it was more than just an idol. Because you see, Ahab is the king. And what the king begins to bring in begins to shape society. So here are a bunch of Hebrews that have worshipped one God. They have lived in a land where God has brought them. They have served the one and only God. And now you have a king that has come in, and he begins to pick up where Jeroboam left off. Jeroboam was before him, and if you know anything about Jeroboam, Jeroboam didn't have one, one, one bull. Jeroboam had two calves he, that he built, and he told Israel, these are the gods that brought you. God hated Jeroboam because he led Israel into sin. He created a society, and Ahab, Ahab comes in, and he builds and expands that even more. So now you find that Ahab isn't just worshiping a wooden idol. Ahab is creating a society. They still named their children after Jehovah because they were still carrying a sacrifice to a temple to try to make atonement for sins. And then they would go out and they would worship a god called Baal because it was accepted in society. Ahab began to create a society where this spirit could reign and it could thrive, and it was an accepted part of the culture of the day. 
It is said that Ahab did not just build a temple to Baal. It goes on and it says that he didn't just rear up an altar, but that Ahab made a grove. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord than anyone before him. The grove that they're talking about here. There were some 400 prophets of Baal. There were also some 400 prophets of the grove. That was to a deity of Baal, a consort, the wife of Baal. That idol's name was called Asherah or Ishtar or Astarte. She has different names because she's worshipped in different cultures. She's worshipped in different places. But Astarte was supposed to be, or Ishtar was the goddess of beauty, sex. She was the god of fertility. She was the goddess of war. They worshipped Baal. They worshipped this other god. But when you begin to look into this god of Astarte or Ishtar, Ishtar had a different type of worship. There were priests and priestesses that were prostitutes that were within that worship. They were called porne. That's where we get our word pornography from. She is, she is uh, said to have been a goddess, and, there, and then her temples and her images were full of sexually lewd images and things of that nature. And she has said this. She is said to possess the power. Some of her priests, some of her priestesses would take on a different role. She said that she's had the power to change a man into a woman and a woman into a man. That was the culture, that was the society, that was the day that Elijah found himself living in. Ladies and gentlemen, does it sound familiar? We are living in a day and an age, and we wonder why have things unraveled in our culture as rapidly as they have. You have to see the spirit that's behind it. You have to recognize what is pushing the agenda. And it's more than a political side of the aisle that you find yourself. It's beyond that. It's the spirit that is beginning to try to gain hold. And it goes all the way back to the same spirit that was warred against in the Old Testament when Elijah would stand up and say, hey, you're going to have to choose who you're going to serve. You're either going to serve Baal or you're going to serve God. Elijah found himself in a day where everything was being accepted and the, the push of the hour was for you to embrace and to accept and to bring in and to make a part of. And, and you, don't, you, you, know, you, you, you don't stand up because if you stand up, you're labeled an enemy to the empire. That's what Elijah was labeled. He was called a troublemaker. Because Elijah would do something that no one else would do. Elijah would walk in and he would look Ahab in the face and he would look him in the eye and he'd point his finger and he would say and declare, it's not going to rain on the earth until I say it's going to rain. Why are you going to go against that? Because that's the very thing that Baal was supposed to be, the God of rain. And Elijah looked at him, at, at old Ahab and he said, I'm going to tell you something. It's not going to happen until I say it's going to happen. 
And he turns around and walks out, and the Bible says that it didn't rain for three and a half years. Three and a half years. No rain. Nothing falls from the sky. Everything begins to dry up. Everything begins to, 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 to disintegrate around the kingdom. Everything's drying up. And finally, Elijah finds himself confronting Ahab. And when he walks, when he, when, he, when, he, when he does, Ahab's words are, you're the man that's been troubling Israel. Wait a minute, Elijah's the guy that's standing for right over here. But he's labeled as the man that troubles Israel. Why? Because you're the man that would dare buck what society says is normal. Word of the Lord says this about Elijah. It says that he was a man of like passions as we. Yet he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not for the span of three years and six months. He was a man just like you and I. In the midst of a culture that was changing and deteriorating rapidly. And he stood when everyone else around him was scared. And he didn't just stand, but he prayed. I want to draw some comparisons tonight. I want to point out some things. And I hope that when I'm done, I bring an awareness to where we are and just how close we are. We are living in a day and an age where we are told that you have to be accepting, inclusive, that you have to take everything in with open arms. You have to embrace society. Ladies and gentlemen, that has never been what the church is supposed to do. We love everybody. We reach for everybody. We try to our best to be salt and light to everybody. But I can't accept everything that comes and says that it's welcome in my life. There are some things that are not allowed in my life. The American culture, the American society that we live in where we like to say that we are one nation under God, I want to bring you back to some points of our history. In the 1960s, from 1960 to 1970, thereabout, we endured a revolution. It was called the sexual revolution or sexual liberation. It was where sex and the, 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 all of those things were openly promoted in society. That was from the 1960s to the 1970s. In 1973, there would be a law that would be put in practice called Roe versus Wade, which would allow the sacrifice of children. It's the same spirit. Looks a little different, but it's the same spirit. Same spirit. Same, this is not a war that we've not that the church hasn't warred against before. Matter of fact, this, this spirit Ishtar that I was telling you about, it's also called Aphrodite in the Greek. Those that were part of Caesar's house warred against that same spirit. It's been there behind the scenes with a different name, same spirit. Roe versus Wade would come in and it would push the agenda of child sacrifice across the nation. 
Notice that the, wor- the, the worship of Baal involved two things. It, it, it involved perversion sexually, and it involved child sacrifice. Both those things were in place. You say, yeah, but we have no idol. December 1989, on a cold, wintry night, there was a bull, an image of a bull, that would be placed in the most prominent city in America, a city that represented power, strength, not just to the nation, but to all the world. 1989 would see the placement of the Wall Street bull in New York. This bronze idol is a tribute to power and prosperity. You have the image, you have the worship. Ahab built the image, he built the temple, he introduced the worship, but Ahab did something else, he built a grove. Ishtar, the one who could change what God created to represent him, Ishtar could change it, warp it. I'll give you some other dates. From 1970 to 2018 is being coined as the gender revolution. Baal has been in place. Ishtar has been placed, not in a foreign land, not in a land far away, but in our society. And when that idols or those idols were placed, it began to affect the culture that surrounded a nation. Ladies and gentlemen, we are living in a day where that spirit is affecting the culture that we live in. We are living in a day where society is telling the church you have to accept and embrace ancient gods that God said, I won't have anything to do with. I don't want anything to do with them. I don't want you to interact with them. I don't want you to be a part of them. So how are you going to survive in your society? How how is the church going to stand? Because the scary thing to me is that there were people who were still offering sacrifices. They were still going before a high priest. They were still placing their hand on the head of their sacrifice. Yet they would also go out to a grove and worship an idol. How did they get there? Because they embraced everything that came. Ladies and gentlemen, moms and dads, Yes, it is all right to take a stand against pornography in your home because you're taking a stand against a spirit that has been warred against for thousands of years. It is all right to say, you know, there are some things that we are not going to allow into our home. There are some areas that we're not going to go. It still is, 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 a, is a man and a woman that marry and make up a family. Not two moms, not two dads, but a mom and a dad. Man, men, you're still supposed to act like a man. Young lady, you're still supposed to act like a lady. Why? Because you're created in the image of God. 
God spoke everything in the garden into existence except for man, and He formed him out of the dust of the earth. And He created him, the Bible says, in His own image and after His own likeness. And it says this, and He created male and female. The woman which came from His side was created in the image of Almighty God. God operated in dominion and authority and power. That's what he gave the man. You're to walk on the earth in dominion, have dominion and authority over it. The woman was created in the beauty, majesty, and holiness of God. That's why the scripture talks about a woman's hair being her glory. Why? Because you're created in the image of Almighty God. And just for the record, he said he'd never share his glory with another, and he would never share his power with another. And the enemy comes in, and he tells the lie, and he weaves the lie that you can create yourself to be whatever you want to be. It's the same spirit that, that, that has been warred for thousands of years. We need to wake up and realize we're not wrestling against flesh and blood and against principalities and power, or, or flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers. So how do I stand when everything around me is collapsing? How, do I st- how, how, do, how am I going to make it? You're going to have to be a man of prayer. You're going to have to be a woman of prayer. What made Elijah so unique was not, it was not the miracles. If that was the case, it would have said Elijah was a man that was beyond us that miracles happened for. But when he's addressed in the New Testament, the one thing that's glaringly apparent about Elijah was he was a man of prayer. He would pray and it wouldn't rain. He would pray and fire would fall. He would pray And the rain would come. He would pray and the sick would recover. Everything that transpired came because of a life of prayer. And if I'm going to stand in the midst of my culture, and if I'm going to survive in the midst of the darkness that's coming in, I am going to have to be a person of prayer. Prayer has got to be something that becomes the centerpiece of my life. Not something that I do when it's convenient. Not something that I reach for when things are bad. But when life is going good and when life is going bad, there's one constant in my life. I'm going to be a man or a woman of prayer. I'm going to pray without ceasing. I'm going to, you're going to find me praying in the morning. You're going to find me praying in the evening. When I sit down for my meal, I'm going to pray. When I rise up, I'm going to pray. When my kids go to school, I'm going to pray over them. When I go to work, I'm going to pray over it. Everything that I do in life must be surrounded by prayer. If I'm going to make it, it must be through prayer. The second thing that Elijah did was he would stand. I'm not here to hurt anybody. I'm not here to beat anybody up. Sin is still sin, ladies and gentlemen. Right is still right, and wrong is still wrong. And it doesn't. It's not me saying it. It's not you saying it. It's what the Word of God declares. It's what the Word of God declares as sin. 
comes to a showdown. Come to a finale. Elijah would face Ahab. And he would tell him, I tell you what, you go gather your prophets of Baal and the prophets of the grove. And we're going to meet. And we're going to make this declaration. Let the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And that's exactly what they do. They meet. Set date, set place, set time. They draw their bullocks. Gods of Baal pick their bullock. Elijah tells them, you go first. They begin to try to offer their sacrifice. Nothing. Morning, nothing. Noon, nothing. At this time, they're getting desperate. They're cutting themselves. They're screaming. They're hollering. They're wailing. Nothing. The Bible says this, at the time of the evening sacrifice, Elijah told the people, he said, come here. Come here. And he began to repair an altar. He kills the sacrifice. He lays the bullock out. Then he digs a trench around the altar, and he tells them to go and begin to submerge or wet the sacrifice. Time after time, water's poured over the sacrifice. The Bible says until the sacrifice is not only wet, but the trench is full of water. And then this prophet would pray a simple prayer. God, let your fire fall. Consume the sacrifice. Don't read where he really travails. Just read where he simply prayed and asked. And the Bible said that the fire fell. Why fire? I began to think about this. If you go back to Leviticus, you begin to study out atonement. There were certain animals that they were instructed to bring. And pay attention, Baal has got three forms. A bull, a ram, and a thunderbolt or fire. When the Day of Atonement would come, the priest would take a bullock, a young bull, two years old. He would offer it for a sin offering. There would be a ram that would be offered for a burn offering. These are types and shadows. Christ came, he was our sacrifice, our lamb, offered for sin. Notice what that spirit did. It began to reach and take things that were holy and twist them to represent unholy things. We live in a day and an hour, ladies and gentlemen, where that spirit is reaching and it's grabbing things and it's taking holy things and making it unholy. But there was one thing. You can create an image that looks like a bull. Scott, they could form an image to look like a ram. 
they could create a substitute for that. But there's one thing that Baal was symbolic of, and that was fire, thunderbolt, fire coming down. And Elijah said, okay, let the God that answers by fire, let him be God. That's the one thing Baal couldn't do. You couldn't counterfeit it. You couldn't twist it. You couldn't carve it. You couldn't fashion it. Ladies and gentlemen, there has only been one God who ever sent fire from heaven. Only one. Only one. It would first take place when Abraham, or excuse me, Moses would set the tabernacle in order, and when he had everything as it should have been, and he had everything placed, and he put the wood on the altar, and he laid everything in order, the Bible says there went out a fire from the Lord. And it kindled the fire on the altar. One of the first things that Israel was introduced to was a God who could answer by fire. So when Elijah told him, let the God who answers by fire, let him be God. He said, we're going to take it to the ultimate test. Because the one who can actually answer by fire, he's going to be God. And in the midst of everything that was transpiring in society, in the midst of everything that the enemy was trying to do, there was one thing that he could not do, and that is sin fire. Now, the spiritual is a representation of the physical. They're a mirror of one another, correct? Acts 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. When suddenly there came a sound out of heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. You don't need to be dismayed in this hour. Because I still serve a God that answers by fire. How are we going to reach our world? I'll tell you how we're going to reach them. By a God that answers by fire. It still takes the infilling of the Holy Ghost, friends. It still t- that's, what, that's, that's the entire package. He said, and I don't want to just put it on an altar. I don't want to just come consume a sacrifice, but I want to put my spirit inside of you. I want to burn on the inside of you because in the last hours, in the last days, you're going to come up against some stuff and you better be full of something that's alive and burning because when you speak, it better not be man that speaks. It better be the spirit of God that comes out of you and speaks. Just as Baal would push an agenda, I'm done. If you don't mind standing with me. Baal would push an agenda. Baal would try to destroy a nation. The reality of the matter is, is it succeeded. Israel was so entrenched in that spirit that eventually Babylon would come in. She would destroy the walls. She would take the people hostage. She would march them to a foreign land. 
It would be so broken. It would be so demoralized that they would hang their harps on the willows. No worship. No more praise. Because we allowed something in that destroyed us. That led us away. Ladies and gentlemen, we are living in a day and an hour. And I know this is not popular preaching. I know this is not popular teaching. We live in a day and an hour. Where if you want to win the world, you better throw your arms around everything and embrace everything. Not love people. You love the Spirit. You embrace the Spirit. It becomes part of your life. You teach it to your children. No. I love people. There's only one. And I remember the day. I remember the night. I can take you to the place where God filled me with the Holy Ghost and changed my life forever. Brother Moss, I don't want to bring something in my home. I got a whole army at the house. I know. We pick at each other. Y'all pick at me, I pick back. But you hear me? I got a quiver full of apostolics at my house that I want to see developed. And I want to see them launched into a world and bring revival. I'm not dismayed and I'm not discouraged, but I'm trying my best to pour something into my children, into my kids, so that when it's time, they can be launched and the master can reach down and they can be a vessel that brings a victory. They can be a vessel that is used in the kingdom of God. And if that is going to happen, i got to make sure that I'm serving Him with everything that I have. The fire still has to fall in my home. It has to fall in my church. Because that's what makes the difference. I want it said that in the generations to come, that my children took the harps of their worship and they hung them on the willows because they were marched as captives into Babylon. Babylon is a type of the world. This is spiritual, not physical. There is a spirit that is loosed on the earth. God said in the midst of all that upon this rock I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it we quote that scripture as the gates of hell aren't going to you know prevail against us that's not what that scripture says I can take you back to Genesis to Abraham to Isaac to Sarah and Rebecca where a promise was given when Rebecca left to go be the wife of Isaac her family said over her they pronounced a blessing and they said that your children may possess the gates of your enemy 
that was a promise that was given that your children, that your seed, that your prosperity would would prevail and have the gates, control the gates of your enemy. What Jesus was saying when he was looking at Simon Peter, he said, upon this knowledge, upon this revelation, I'm going to build my church and understand this, Simon. I'm going to reach all the way back to Abraham and I'm going to fulfill a promise that I spoke to that man on a lonely hillside. Your prosperity, posterity, your children are going to possess the gate of their enemy. So in the midst of a dark world, in the midst of a a culture that is going berserk, I've got a word for you. It won't prevail against the church. It's not going to come again. The thing I've got to do is I've got to make sure that, God, there's nothing in me that's that's got to hold somewhere else. You've got all of me. Take my heart. Take my mind. God, gird up the loins of my mind. God, touch my eyes. Help me, God, to stay focused me a spirit of discernment so that when I bump up against things I'm not bringing something in that's going to cause my destruction it's nothing new nothing new same spirit the fire would fall the rain would come and the prophets of Baal would be slain all said and done when Elijah come on down off the mountain he outran the horses and he outran the chariot they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings of eagles they're going to walk and they're not going to get weary they're going to run and not faint oh I feel the Holy Ghost in this room could we just reach to him right now God, I worship you. God, in the midst of everything that is going on around us, in the midst of everything that is falling apart, God, walk my heart. Walk my mind. Walk the corridors of my soul. Look in the depths of my being. God, you have to be the Lord of my life. You have to be the owner of my life. You have to be the one, God, that's in control of me. God, I surrender it all. I put my family in your hands. I put my life in your hands. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. Could you just reach to him right where you're standing tonight? we turn this whole sanctuary into an altar, God? I want you to walk my heart. I want you to look in my soul. I don't want the spirit of Baal, spirit of Ishtar, to get a grip in my life. But, oh, God, I'm asking that you would touch.